Time now to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun this morning. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simi. And today is the day it gets real in long-term care. We've been talking about a vaccination mandatory mandate for two months. Today is the day it takes effect, and wow. that's a big day when we find out just how well these things work. I was looking at you, I was thinking, look at Vaughn with the slang. Today is the day it gets real in long-term yep. care home. It does, because it's vaccination day for staff and for any visitors, too. Yes, staff, visitors, volunteers in long-term care, and as I say, uh, it's worth noting this is not a rushed job. Dr. Bonnie Henry announced this mandate on the 12th of August. It was reported then. It's been reported since then and tightened and toughened, but uh, the basic get vaccinated message was announced back then. So we're expecting this is going to be coming for other healthcare workers as well. We've heard the concerns. not ready. Adrian Dick said last week, I think there's still a thousand or so workers in long-term care who weren't vaccinated. There's been some talk that people will quit rather than get vaccinated. They will be put on unpaid leave if they don't have their first dose today. We'll see how it plays out. Dr. Henry was asked last week about the we'll quit threat. She said she doesn't think very many people will give up their jobs and their benefits uh, to avoid getting vaccinated, but she also said no details that the government does have a contingency plan to deal with that if it arises. Hmm. It's kind of like a game, playing a game of chicken, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, you know, I, I'm of the view this is long overdue. I think when we finally get through this thing, please let it be soon, uh, there should be a proper public inquiry into lessons learned. And I think one of those lessons will be that had the government acted sooner in long-term care, we could have saved some lives. But here we are. Uh, British Columbia's record is still better than a lot of places. So, uh, you know, we, we go ahead. But um, the other thing, as I say, to remember is Dr. Henry said last week that a mandate for the rest of health care, acute care, community care is coming. The government's working with the unions on it, with stakeholders. Uh, she said in a very few days, so I wouldn't be surprised to see that announced this week as well. I think health care, one hopes by the middle of the month, will be under vaccine mandates, and that still leaves, as you're reporting on the news, the open question of the schools. Yes, the open question of schools. Also, can we just talk a bit here yeah. about uh, BC Liberal MLA Mike Bernier? We've talked yeah. to him a couple times. We had him on the show actually yesterday morning, too, to talk about what's been happening. And I just feel like he's fighting the good fight and he deserves a shout out. He does. And I will say that the government has been very good. The pre- Premier John Horgan, um, Health Minister Adrian Dix have made a point of singling out B.C. liberals for being on the side of the angels on vaccination mandates. Recognition that it's one thing to say get vaccinated in a community like the one I live in where more than 90% of the people already are. Bernier is fighting the good fight in northeastern British Columbia where the vaccinate rate is rising, I think thanks to his leadership and others, but it's still lower. And it does take a certain amount of guts to face public yeah. crowds in your constituency where you've had your life threatened. I know at one point Bernier spoke to a crowd outside his constituency office and he said, 
um, somebody out there threatened to shoot me. Well, here I am. Um, you know, as I say, it's it's That's taking brave. boldness for all politicians on this issue. But think of uh, living in a riding where. Uh, you're getting those kind of threats. Yeah, I think it's incredibly brave what he's been doing. He's had people tell him to his face, I'm never voting for you again. And he said, you know what, I'm still going to sleep. I'll, I'll sleep at night because I still know that I did the right thing. We did, You don't hear that very often from a politician. No, it's, it, it's brave and uh, it's bold. And we one of the good things about the pandemic in British Columbia is we have seen a lot more bipartisanship on the issue than we've seen in some other places. And the United States, of course, is the example. But even here in Canada, uh, right from the beginning, British Columbia's political parties, even at some political risk to themselves, united behind the government in saying we need to do this uh, in, for the most part, not criticizing public health authorities. There have been, you know, occasions where they've asked questions and stuff, as opposition parties should do, both the Greens and the Liberals. But more often than not, they've said, um, right from the beginning, uh, Andrew Wilkinson, who was then the leader of the Liberals, said, no, you know, he said, as a medical doctor myself, I'm not going to question public health orders, right? They're, we're going to be united on this. And I think it served British Columbia well when we when we get to that postmortem and the public inquiry on this, which I hope we do have. I think one of the things that will be said is that the politicians, at least for the most part, tried to speak with a single voice on this and turn that around. The government was generous about giving the opposition parties credit for speaking with the united voice on this we've not divided on this and simi you you and i know british columbia politics yes there's so many issues on which we disagree i i've joked that you know if you try to get the bc legislature to vote on today being tuesday somebody would vote against the idea so it's it's really important that on this issue for the most part they've spoken with a single voice i thought so too and when you have somebody like that who you know is kind of fighting the good fight up there i think they deserve all the support right that they can get from both sides of the aisle um, yeah. We'll also talk about First Nations outbreaks because, boy, I read this Justine Hunter story in the Globe and Mail, and I, I find this alarming that they, even though you've got a community that is fully vaccinated, they are now kind of, they feel like perhaps losing some of their protection. Yeah, this is, uh, Justine did a good piece in the Globe yesterday. There's been some coverage of this, not enough. Um, Vancouver Island Health Region um, has had higher case count recently uh, than it has had for most of the time during the pandemic. The island has been a low case count. And if you look at the regional, within the region, the district breakdown, uh, part of the problem is First Nations. And early on, of course, the provincial government, uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry, they, they sent traveling teams to many First Nations reserves in British Columbia with the vaccine because they recognized that First Nations people were more vulnerable for all the historic medical reasons why First Nations people are more vulnerable on health care. So those communities were vaccinated early. As the efficacy of the vaccines wear off and you need booster shots, of course, 
um, places that were vaccinated in January need booster shots. And I think that's the issue out there. There has been some action on that front to start vaccinating again. But you've also seen some communities say, hey, we need it now. I think you're going to see the provincial government spring into action on this again. Certainly the reasons for going first with First Nations, uh, those medical reasons still remain. So I think you're going to see more vaccination for First Nations, especially remote communities, especially communities where there are problems with pre-existing medical conditions. Okay, so there's that as well. And we're talking about First Nations communities. Let's talk about that Ferry Creek protest because explain this to me then, Vaughn. The injunction was reinstated? The injunction was reinstated by a judge of the BC Court of Appeal at the end of last week uh, on the grounds that uh, the, the issues that led to the original injunction remained uh, the threat to safety of workers being able to get to work, the issue of the First Nation out there wanting the logging to continue, and so the injunction is back. It still awaits a full hearing, so it's not permanent the way the, or or for a year even. Uh, So the injunction is back, the protests are back, and the arrests are back. So none of the issues have been resolved, and it's not the job of the courts to resolve it. The the comment from the judge who put the injunction back was the protests are the protesters' issue is really with government policy. Caught in the middle are the First Nation and the logging company, which is and its workers, which are legally logging. So uh, the Essentially, it is the same problem that it has been for over a year, which is a public policy allowing some logging Mm -hmm. um, that is an issue with uh, protesters and an international community. And the challenge is, in the long run, is really back to the government on this one with, as I say, the logging company, its employees, the First Nation, and to some degree the RCMP caught in the middle of what is ultimately a public policy dispute here in British Columbia. All right, Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye.